We're now approaching the Main Street Station. If you are disembarking here, please remain seated until we come to a complete stop. This monorail offers express service to the Magic Kingdom. Now, where's everybody else? Uh-oh, they're coming on the monorail. But, Fozzie, the monorail doesn't come through here. It does now! Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 579, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, videos, blogs, special events, and more, whether it's your first time visiting or you've been to the parks hundreds of times. If you're planning a vacation or love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there is something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. If you're a new listener, thank you. Welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and find everything else at www.radio.com. This week, I invite you to join me as we unlock the mysteries of the most secret society in the Disney parks, the SEA, Society of Explorers and Adventurers. We will explore its origin story as well as its history in the Disney parks, prehistory in a now extinct location, and the characters and their real-world imaginary inspirations that make up this very elite club. We'll then virtually tour the Disney parks as we trace the society's origins and backstories to Japan and Tokyo Disney Sea, then journey through Walt Disney World and Disneyland, venture to Hong Kong, Aulani, and then set sail aboard the Disney Cruise Line to discover where secret meeting locations, characters, and tributes can be found. I'll then take you back in time to a date and special WW radio event where some of the society's members made their one and only appearance, and we'll also look to the future of Disney's most fascinating and fun secret league of extraordinary adventurers. I'll then share how you can help spread the word about the show, grow the community, and enter for a chance to win $100 in Disney gift cards. Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more information about our next WW Radio Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. In the Disney parks, we know that every good attraction is rooted in great story. From fantasy to adventure, with heroes and villains wrapped in mystery and romance. But these stories and characters and details and themes 
also often will bleed out and over into the land itself or nearby shops, restaurants, kiosks, windows, everywhere, if you just know where to look. And while many of these characters and stories are ones that we're familiar with, whether they're based in childhood fairy tales or newly imagined blockbuster films, it's easy to find our personal favorites everywhere in the Disney parks and resorts. But then there are also those stories and characters which are created just for and by the parks themselves. Sometimes for a single attraction, I'm looking at you, Dreamfinder and Figment, vignette, show, or shop. Some come and go, or are even, dare I say, forgotten. Some come back, I'm now looking at you, Orange Bird, and some just quietly fade away. And then there are those rare few with humble, subtle beginnings without fanfare and red carpets that actually take on a life of their own. They grow, evolve, and spread until they're woven into the very fabric of locations far beyond where they may have originated. And so this week, I want to share one such story with you. It involves all the requisite elements of great storytelling, atmosphere, memorable characters, adventure, romance, mystery, secrecy, and then a little bit of detective work and a whole lot of fun. And my friend, this week, we will pull back the curtain and go where few have ventured before as we explore the history, references, secrets, characters, stories, and possible future of the most secret society in the Disney parks. And no, I don't mean Club 33. I mean the S.E.A., the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Shrouded in mystery, it may not be even something you may know of or recognize, and today we're going to change all that and open your eyes to a world that has been hiding in plain sight and is a whole lot of fun. And with me on this epic adventure is a man not only worthy of membership in the Society, but is himself often shrouded in mystery and is quite the character, author, raconteur, magician, storyteller, and all-around great guy, my friend, Mr. Jim Corcus. Hey, thank you so much, as as always, Lou. And, and now I know what I'm shrouded in. I, I didn't know what I was shrouded in. It, you know, it, 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 it sort of had that odor, but now I know what, what that that is. And uh, for those who, of you who are listening and are going, oh, no, the, he's talking on the landline again. This is not Lou's fault. Lou did everything in his power to try and pull me out of my man cave, but he finally realized I was being held hostage by uh, Deadline Gremlins for my uh, newest book, which will be coming out uh, uh, before uh, Easter. In fact, uh, the manuscript just got set off uh, an hour before this podcast uh, uh, started. So uh, make sure you listen carefully because we will reveal for the very first time Jim Corcus's newest book uh, that will be coming out. And, and as Lou has, has mentioned, uh, Disney, of course, and the Disney theme parks especially, are um, a storytelling uh, venue. And the best stories usually have interesting characters 
and uh, a lot of characters have been specifically created just for the Disney theme parks. Now, um, uh, just like a, a, a movie, uh, there's an actor that'll appear, and suddenly they'll have that star quality, and and the audience will just fall in love with them. The same thing happens with uh, theme park characters. There, there are theme park characters that are created, and uh, the Imagineers put in an awful lot of, of time and, and effort and, and thought, and, and, and these aren't, you know, casual creations. They, uh, sometimes there are elaborate uh, backstories behind, you know, uh, who formed, uh, you know, Wilderness Lodge, you know, uh, all of that. And, and sometimes uh, guests just don't respond for whatever reason. Well, and sometimes but, they're they're hidden too, right? So, Jim, in all the years we've been doing the show together, part of what we like to do is when we go to a place like Wilderness Lodge, we're not just talking about where to eat and what to do, but we're talking about some of those stories that we say are sort of hidden in plain sight, but really either aren't fully flushed out or aren't really written down anywhere for a guest to see. So it, it does take a lot more than just some investigative work. But I think, like you said, we've we've heard it before, but here it's really true. A lot of these characters and, and secret backstories are all connected and, and sort of weave together. And I think this is really the first time as we start talking about some of these characters that weave together a lot of these attractions, not just in a land or a park, but really around the world. Oh, oh absolutely. And not only just around the world, but on the uh, Disney Cruise Line uh, as as well. So, uh, and you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think, too, that sometimes guests um, subconsciously sense that there's more to, to something that, that they're seeing, but, but you're right. There, there isn't, uh, that big book of Imagineering that, that is out there that we'd all like to uh, be able to have on our, our Disney library shelves here that, uh, explain why is that there? So uh, w- one of the exciting things about being on your show, of course, is to, uh, answer, you know, those two questions, you know, what am I looking at and why is it there? And, and, and today to, uh, uh, talk about the, uh, society of explorers and adventurers that, uh, you are absolutely right. The, the Imagineers invested, uh, so much into, to connect, uh, attractions and, and more, uh, as you said, worldwide. Yeah, so let's sort of set the stage, really, because even if you've heard the SEA or maybe you've seen the logo in one of these places, it is rooted in characters, and it's also rooted in story, which, again, is not one that you could necessarily find written down somewhere unless you look really, really hard in one of these locations. So the backstory for this society of explorers and adventurers that's made up of these fanciful different characters is that it was founded on August 12th in 1538 in Italy at a place called Porto Paradiso. And it is made up of a group of scientists and explorers, artists, researchers, travelers from around the world. And it's a a society that's dedicated 
to the continued exploration of the oceans and exotic lands. Again, it's the mid-1500s. And it's really based on four guiding concepts and principles um, that you can find when you look at the SEA's original crest, its adventure, which is represented as a galleon, its romance, which is based on an armillary sphere, discovery is a compass, and innovation is artist tools. And this is the way the society felt it could best represent the charter and mission, which is simply, we are the society of explorers and adventurers, and we shall acquire knowledge through exploration. And there's actually a a longer mission statement at one of uh, my favorite, two of my favorite places, one of which I'm not really allowed in because I'm not a kid. One is Mystic Manor in Hong Kong. You could also find it, Jim mentioned the cruise line, in the Oceaneer Lab, and I love that fact that it's there, on the Disney uh, Dream and Fantasy, and says, the mission of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers is to collect, conserve, and curate valuable cultural and artistic artifacts from around the world and make them available to the public in an artistically pleasing and sensitive manner. It's furthermore the mission of the organization to equip and mount socio-cultural expeditions to discover, explore, chronicle, and protect the artistic achievements of the human society, past and present, exalted and forgotten. So, again, Jim, this is a yeah, very that, well that's thought a out. Huge mouthful. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I don't know what a lot of those words mean, but I love the fact that it is this fully formed and flushed out idea that we're not just sort of creating this this society for purposes of a a, a very simplified skeletal backstory, but one that they have really invested a lot of thought and direction in. And I think this is not just the guiding well, principles. In, in, in fact, it's a story that has evolved. You know, we, we talk about Grimm's fairy tales. You know, it, it wasn't just one story of, of, of Snow White or whatever. Uh, it was a, a story of Snow White that was told, you know, over the years and over the decades and in different countries, and it sort of evolved into what we think today is the story of of Snow White. And, you know, the exact same thing happened with, with C, because when we got that first touch uh, of C uh, at, at Tokyo Disney Sea in, in 2001, supposedly C had been formed in 1938. But again, this became such a popular idea that it started to evolve. And then it was like, no, no, C was actually created in the late 1800s by, by people like uh, Mary Oceaneer and, and Harrison Hightower and uh, uh, Jason Chandler and Dr. Albert Falls and all that. And now uh, to the point that it's become so rich uh, that, as you say, now the official story is that it it was uh, uh, created back in the uh, uh, 1500s. For, for Tokyo Disney Sea, it was 1938 because that was supposedly when Explorers Landing uh, was established uh, to promote the sharing of, of uh, nautical and scientific knowledge of world uh, exploration. And and again, what a great concept to tie in all of the the Disney theme parks worldwide, because again, explorers would go worldwide uh, uh, for all of this. And, and I know we're going to be talking um, a, a little later, too, that 
that the seed for this idea uh, it came from the uh, beloved and long gone Adventurers Club. Well, maybe which... we should maybe we really should talk about it here because this idea of of sort of retconning the history, right? This this I, and retcon is a is short for retroactive continuity. This happens a lot on TV and and, and movies. This in, idea in, in, in comic, comic books, books right? in, in, <laughs> you know, in, in, in all sorts of things, and and uh, so uh, because again. A story, a really good story, is is a living entity. And and again, I, I referenced uh, fairy tales, and so you know, fairy tales constantly, uh, you know, uh, uh, changed. Uh, you know, and and in fact, even Walt Disney himself would you know tell the story of Snow White or tell the story of of Pinocchio uh, to different people at the studio. And each time he told it, he would change it slightly based on the reactions he, he was he was getting from from his audience, un, until you get that story that is is solid and firm and and, uh, and works. But but yeah, I I, I think uh, uh, the real origin of uh, C goes back to uh, uh, the Adventurers Club, and and as we were uh, talking about. Uh, uh, before the podcast, it, it's it's somewhat frightening to realize that last year, 1989, marked the 30th anniversary of the Adventurers Club uh, opening. It, it, it's hard for me to believe because, um, you know, having gone to the Adventurers Club, uh, some of my memories are, are still so fresh of, of the characters and, and, and the rituals and traditions and, and, and shows that you know, it was like, oh, yeah, I, I could probably go see that this weekend. <laughs> Listen, one of my favorite events that we ever did was the night before the closing of the Adventures Club in September of 2008. We rented it out for a, a WWE, really one of the first big events that we ever did. Mm-hmm. It was our way of, of saying goodbye. But, yeah, and this idea of sort of retconning or you, sort of establishing facts that are, are sometimes adjusted and, and maybe contradict things that were previously published – Let's go back to 1989 when the Adventurers Club opened, which is really, according to story, 1937. And it was the Adventurers mm-hmm. Club that introduced the very first character that would eventually become part of what this SEA, this secret uh, society, is, Meriwether Pleasure. And I know, Jim, we've talked about him <laughs> as a lot uh, in, when we talked about Pleasure Island, was this entrepreneur um, who, uh, after w- World War II, had collected all of these um, inventions and things that from around the world. Uh, 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 artifacts, uh, souvenirs, all of that, yes. Tchotchkes, junk, as oftentimes <laughs> spouses will call it. So get all of your junk. He, his garage, he had obviously uh, outgrown his garage and his own man cave, so he created the Adventurers Club to not just store his own collection, but more importantly, to show it off and entertain his friends. And it eventually grows to this place place where fellow explorers would come in and then the adventures club was born out of this place where uh adventurers could gather to eat and drink and and be part of this interactive uh, show and again characters continued to 
sprout from this idea of what Meriwether pleasure look, you know, Pamelia Perkins and everyone else that came from there. So it, at the time, well, what, and, and again, it, it it's a private club. It's a private club for for these explorers and and these uh, adventurers, but uh, because they need to help pay off the lease, they're holding an open house. Uh, uh, to, so that's why uh, Disney guests are able to go into the Adventurers Club, th- this exclusive location for the first time, so that they can help pay off the lease one drink at a time, because there's three bars, you know, uh, in the club. And, and of course, you know, there, there's the storyline, and then there's the operational thing. And the operational thing is, this is a nightclub, and we want to sell drinks, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, out, out in the front, they had all those things like, uh, there was a, uh, a crashed plane on the front lawn. There were monkey skulls on spears. There was, uh, ancient pottery. So, so again, they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to mimic in the 1930s, there really were world explorers clubs where, where, uh, uh, Explorers would get together. They would uh, share stories of their, uh, you know, uh, latest expedition or their latest discovery and, and all of this. And, and so this is now becoming um, an homage, but also a parody of, of that over-the-top sense of uh, tall tales. So, so there's really a, a sense of, um, because the original Explorers Club's this is very serious. It's really devoted to, you know, scientific discoveries and all this. The, the Adventurers Club is that little sense of whimsy where, where it's more uh, sharing of, of uh, tall tales and, and just this sort of exaggerated reality. And um, what it, it was like capturing lightning in a bottle because it was a mix of interesting characters and 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 you mentioned uh, uh uh some of them but you know you you had Hathaway Brown who was the daredevil aviator and ladies man you you had Samantha Sterling who was a a female explorer you you had uh uh, uh Graves the butler you had a maid you had the uh, Pamelia Perkins who was the the club president but but in addition to that you had inanimate uh, uh, characters that sprang to life, like, uh, uh, the invisible spirit who played the organ in the library or, uh, the Yakus that was, was, uh, half, uh, moose and half yak. And instead of being sent to the taxidermist was sent to the upholstery shop. <laughs> so his head is stuck there on the wall and he'll suddenly just spring to life and, and, and talk to you. <laughs> And you also mentioned that there were a variety of shows, like the uh, honorary member induction, the Balderdash Cup competition, the episode of the Radio Cliffhanger, Tales of of the uh, Adventurers, and and so there was this wonderful sense of um, this party that had been going on like forever, and now you're invited to be be part of it, and and there's there's things that are just unexpected and, and eccentric that, that are happening. And it's not happening 
you know, uh, at, a, at a regular pattern. If you're in the mask room, the masks will talk to you, but it isn't like this is a pre-recorded show. Uh, they're, they're responding to the people who are, who are in that, uh, that room. And, and you've got all those, those quirks and, and, and personalities. And, and in fact, it was so popular that it was parodied on, um, uh, the South uh, Comedy Central animated series South Park in the episode uh, uh, The Return of Chef in 2006, where uh, Chef has been brainwashed by a club called the Super Adventurers Club. And and inside the Super Adventurers Club are, are the things that, you know, uh, Babylonia on, on the wall and the Zeus with the fishing rod and all that, because uh, one of the co-creators of the show, Trey Parker, spent his honeymoon at Walt Disney World and went to the Adventurers Club and was so inspired by that, you know, created that episode. And for those who remember, the uh, uh, Jekyll and Hyde Club in uh, mm -hmm. New York uh, with uh, oddball uh, characters and uh, also animatronic uh, uh, figures uh, was... Uh, inspired by the creator attending Adventurers Club, and then when Adventurers Club closed in 2008, decided he wanted to create something similar. So, you know, the Adventurers Club had uh, far-reaching, you know... Um, well, even internally, right? So, and, and that might be a good way to transition, because before we even get from Adventurers Club to the SEA, the, it does start to really for the first time bleed over outside the, the confines of that building, which is now the Edison, which uh, is, is sort of ironic because Thomas Edison was a real inventor, right? But yes. it started to bleed over from the Adventures Club out into Magic Kingdom over at the Jungle Cruise because some oh, yes. of the artifacts that you found, if you, were, if you were a careful observer in the queue, you'd see that some of the travel trunks had name tags and uh, addressed to Pamelia Perkins and, and Emil. So the tags event over time had gone away as the fast pass locations and things like that had changed. But some of those artifacts there, were... No, were, they, they still exist at, at the Alani uh, Resort in Hawaii, which was also designed by uh, Joe Rohde, who, who is one of the uh, primary influences in the Adventurers Club. Uh, there's a portrait of the members of the Adventurers Club and a letter from uh, Pamelia Perkins that hangs in uh, Auntie's Beach House there. And, and of course, the, the famous term uh, in, um, uh, of greeting in, in the Adventurers Club, Kungaloosh, uh, that survives as a, as a dessert in uh, Adventureland's Skipper Canteen. And it also survives as a secret uh, drink at uh, Trader Sam's, both out at uh, uh, Disneyland and here at Walt Disney World. But it's a secret drink because you have to request it. It's, it's not on the menu. And there's actually two versions, uh, the original version that was served in the club. And then, again, as we said, the, the club was there for, for many, many years. Uh, they changed uh, the, the recipe for the drink. So when you order the secret drink, you have to let them know whether you want the original or you want uh, the revised uh, uh, version of that. And in fact, you know, when um, uh, the uh, uh, 
club closed uh, in uh, 2008, as you uh, said, uh, some of those props ended up at Mystic Manor, which is going to tie in in with C and uh, Henry Mystic, but also the um, the illusion that I just loved tremendously, the sinking ship in a bottle, mm-hmm. uh, which they had in the library at the Adventurers Club. That got shipped out to uh, Trader Sam's in um, in Disneyland, and and that was an illusion created by uh, Imagineer Yale Gracie. And uh, so, when you order a shipwreck drink, they'll trigger off the ship in the bottle in a storm, and it and and it it, it uh, uh, sinks. So, elements of the Adventurers Club don't just live in people's memories. Um, well, but, you know, but, but in they, terms they, of, they, 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 there are elements of them still out there. Well, but in terms of how it leads to the formation of the SEA, I mean, there was really sort of just, you know, after the Adventures Club closed and some of these uh, character references and props and, and maybe little bits of homage were, were scattered throughout, it really wasn't until about three years later that the concept itself for what this SEA, because the, the, there was no reference to the SEA by name in the Adventures Club. Again, this was something that was, no, was no, retroactively no. created. No, no, well, SEA hadn't existed. <laughs> until, yeah. until Tokyo came, right? So in 2001, right. when uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, which, as you know, if you've listened to my review, is by far and away my favorite Disney theme park worldwide. When the Fortress Exploration debuted mm-hmm. on opening day in Mediterranean Harbor, this is where the 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 footprints and and the the, the bones of the SEA took place. So Fortress Exploration was from as a as a personal story was my favorite thing that I accidentally discovered while wandering around on my own um, in Tokyo Disney Sea. Before, there's a there's a volcano there called Mount Prometheus, which is basically mm-hmm. a walkthrough museum of arts and sciences. And there's this four stories or Renaissance style structure with domes and towers that have individual exhibits. And like there's Da Vinci's flying machine. There's optical illusions. There's a seismic recording station. There's this incredible chamber of planets that lets you physically like move these cranks to move the planets around the sun it's just spectacular there's this explorer landing outside play area um it, which is like a, a thing with sort of a renaissance style tom sawyer island that you can go mm-hmm. and explore but there there's all these challenges and it's free anybody can sort of pick up one of these maps and guests are challenged to solve these different puzzles and join as a member of the SEA. And this is really where the home base and the home, the, the, the ground floor of the storytelling begins in this very sort of simple, you know, almost child's play area that again is kind of, kind of ground zero for the spreading of the story throughout. And and I think, you know, we'll start from here and then continue in Japan because it just makes sense where else we'll be able to find it. But this really this this fortress exploration in 2001 is really where the SEA began. Yes, I I I, I ab- absolutely uh, agree, and and I, I wonder too if Disney was 
was sometimes uh, taken by surprise at uh, how popular that was. But of course, Tokyo Disney Sea spends the money to get it right, <laughs> right. you know. So, so, so when you're talking about all those, those uh, like the seismic uh, uh, recording uh, station to track and record the volcano's activities, this isn't just some little off-the-shelf thing, you know, or uh, whatever. You know, this is really finely crafted, you know, to, to create that, that, that sense of, of being vintage and um, being elaborate and, 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 the, and the whole thing. And, and I think a lot of us uh, just respond to uh, adventurers. You know, most of us, myself included, are just sort of armchair adventurers <laughs> where we're content to watch, you know, people track Bigfoot, you know, uh, on the History Channel or the Travel Channel or, or, or whatever, you know. But uh, you have that uh, connection, whether it's with fictional ones like uh, uh, Indiana Jones or whatever, you, you know, my gosh, you know, I want to explore what's out there, you know, what, what what's around that corner, that that, that whole thing, and uh, yeah, uh, from it being introduced there uh, at the Tokyo Disney Sea, it just really caught fire. It really caught people's imagination. Well, and I love too, just as a, as a quick aside, I love the fact that it is something that was created. On its own, right? It's not based on di- on any prior intellectual no, property. No, not based on any intellectual property. Not based on any movie or TV show or animated series. Or uh, yes, we're we're going to sell uh, uh, plush sea dolls, you know, or whatever. So. <laughs> Although I think, and we'll talk about merchandise later on, or or the lack thereof. But the fact that this is a brand new story, and you you said it when you talked about Tokyo Disney Sea, and I've met I've. I feel the same way. I think this is what happens when you, and understand my meaning, this is sort of, Tokyo Dizzy Sea is what happens is when you give Imagineering a near unlimited budget and just said, go, go do what you do best and this is what comes out of it. And and even this story of the SEA and just how fully flushed out it was and then, again, you know, maybe this is a time before we go forward to how it expands who and what it's based on because it, there there really is there's there's incredible character development without ever having met any of these characters right we so we know from the plaque at the fortress explorations what the purpose of the society is um, uh, to to share nautical and scientific knowledge for world exploration but it also indicates that there's these founding members as a result Mm -hmm. and we we may have heard you know dr albert falls before if you've been there maybe you've heard harrison hightower captain mary oceaneer if you've been on disney cruise line barnabas bullion so all of a sudden these names that maybe you're seeing elsewhere are starting to come together lord henry mystic jason chandler there are these characters that really are the founding members that you don't see anywhere else in Fortress Explorations, but it really creates this this incredible foundation for um, expansive and adaptive storytelling throughout all the parks. Yes, yes. You know, and 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 I think uh, as as human beings, we like 
connections. <laughs> you know, we, we like to see that this is connected with that. And this, you know, uh, it, it, it has a dotted line connection to this and, and whatever. And, and I think that's what, what C does, you know, so that uh, all of these things uh, fall under that, uh, that same umbrella, you know. Um, and, and, and again, it, it, it creates this wonderful sort of playland. But, but again, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, a lot of this information um, is not, uh, uh, what do I want to say, obvious. You know, it, it's, it's not like you have a, uh, a, a plaque, you know, uh, telling you, you know, uh, this is uh, Barnabas T. Bullion, and uh, he was born at uh, at this time, and this is what he did, and this is what he did, and this is when he passed away, and you know, all of that. Uh, you you have to pick up uh, scraps of of information by by things that that you're seeing around you. It, it's almost like being Sherlock Holmes, you know. Uh, uh, well, gee, that seems to mean this. Okay, is there anything that confirms that or verifies that and 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 i think in in some cases that joy of discovery um is part of the charm i think disney's uh, greatest see is that you stumble across these things you know like uh, like the books in the um uh, uh, Skipper's Canteen, you know, that is written by, by, by <laughs> some of these. Right. I, I think that Disney's best adventure game is not one that you go and line up to go play. It's not the Phineas and Ferb adventure. It's not Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. It's this. It's you sort of on your own, at your own pace as you come across it, trying to find all this connective tissue and these references of the SEA itself and then these character names of these founding mm -hmm. members and these other secondary members that you don't have to go to Japan to find the basis of because now if you go look at places like, well, okay, Magellan's is there too, but the Tropical Hideaway in Disneyland and, and the Oceaneers Club, you can find these names that you're starting to see being repeated over and over again and start to assemble on your own what their backstories are and mm -hmm. where else you might be able to find them? It, well, it, in fact, you know, we talk about these characters. Uh, maybe, maybe we should uh, talk about some of these characters now and and uh, identify them. Because I'm again to uh, help the listeners at home. Okay, these are characters you should be looking for, or names you should be looking for, references that you should be looking for. And, and you'll probably come across ones that, that even Lou and I haven't uh, uh, stumbled across uh, as yet. So uh, why don't we start with Captain Mary Oceaneer, especially since uh, uh, you were recently uh, uh, on a cruise there. And I do believe in ladies first, so I, I'm happy that chivalry is still not dead. Uh, <laughs> again, this is one that was, I, I think, sort of retconned into existence. The Oceaneer Club and Lab that was on the magic and the wonder and the dream and the fantasy, I don't think we're, I don't think we're given that name with this idea of Captain Mary Oceaneer being the founder, but she no. was the explorer of Castaway in the Bahamas, and, and she was also the inspiration for places like Misadventure Falls at Typhoon Lagoon, as well as the Oceaneer 
club and lab on the Disney Wonder. And if you go in there, you can actually find this wonderful, beautiful uh, uh, painting of her inside. And again, these places are meant for kids, but they do have, if you're on a Disney cruise, they have open house times. So adults Mm -hmm. can go in and uh, see them as well. There's also a portrait of her in the queue at um, Mystic Manor as well. So, her backstory basically was she was a, a diver and a treasure hunter. She had this um, pet parrot, Sally, because every good explorer has to have some sort of pet. And the maiden voyage of this oceaneer lab ship took back took place back in July of 1898, which is a nice... It, does that date have any significance? It does, Jim Cork. It's funny you should ask, because it references the Disney Magic's maiden voyage... And then right. she, so again, you know, it, it's all connected. It all has meaning. Uh, and it was on that voyage that she discovered this uh, buried treasure on Castaway Key. And what the money she made from those treasures led to other excursions, which you can find on display throughout the Oceaneer Lab. Um, so now all of a sudden she has um, become this this treasure hunter. This is sort of what she does, but she also and, loves... and not just the treasure uh, uh, finding treasure. She found pirate, pirate. treasure and found pirate pre- treasure on, on castaway uh, uh, key. And uh, uh, she became uh, uh, attracted to pirate lore and all of that. So on her ship, she established the first pirate party uh, to help her crew, her hardworking crew, you know, blow off some steam. And so that's why there are pirate parties on the Disney uh, uh, cruise line ships. And, and, and by the way, when the Magic and the Wonder launch, oh, yeah, it was just the Oceaneer Club and Oceaneer Labs. You know, it, there was no Merry Oceaneer. The, the ships continually go into uh, uh, dry dock for rehabs and all that. And on one of those came back out and you know now it it's connected with um uh, bleh, uh <laughs> it connected with with Mary Oceaneer and and I I tried I've tried to ask some of my imagineering con uh, uh contacts you know well why is that name and and one of them said well it it's to reference Mary M E R R Y Oceaneer you know a happy you know, so uh, I was told sailor, something different. Seagoer. And and and, an, and another Imagineer said, "No, no, 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 no. We we did that as a tribute to Mary Blair. Mary Blair, yeah. Because you see uh, some of Mary Blair's artwork, you know, uh, on the ship, and 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 you've got that. Uh, it's a small world nursery, you know, uh, uh, inspired by by some of uh, uh, her her work. But there's actually some of know, her art they, is they, in they, one of the murals in the Oceaneer Lab too. In one of the activity rooms, there's a, a little mural there, and you can see um, uh, some of the artwork that she created for uh, Peter Pan is actually mm-hmm. found in there too. And it's actually when when you go to Oceaneer's Lab, and I think that you should, you'll find other portraits of Mary. You'll see her maiden voyage. You'll see. Um, there's a, a painting of the inaugural Pirate Night from 1898 and her on Castaway Key. So, there, again, this fully But, but you'll only story. find this on the Magic and on the Wonder. You won't find it on, on the uh, uh, Dream and the Fantasy. And how does Jim Corcus know this? 
because that new book by Jim Corcus that's coming out before <laughs> Easter is called Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Line. So it, it, it's not a guidebook of, you know, when to pick the best time to cruise or how to get a discount or how to pick shore excursions. Uh, the book tells the entire history of the creation of the Disney Cruise Line, including, you know, the story of the SS Disney, which was going to be that uh, oil tanker that had a floating Disney theme park mm-hmm. that was going to go to all those different uh, ports that were that couldn't afford having a, a full-time Disney uh, uh, theme park. And the, the rest of the book deals with, here are the storytelling details. You know, it, it's not going to tell you when's the best seating for dinner or, you know, whatever. But here's the storytelling details of these are the things you should be looking at in the Walt Disney uh, 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 theater. The, these are the different types of images you might see on the magic portholes. So uh, just like Pirates Night on, on the magic and the wonder, really focus more on uh, the Fab Five a- as pirates on the Disney uh, uh, dream and the Disney fantasy. The focus is more on Captain Jack Sparrow you know, uh, uh, for that, you know, for the stage show before the fireworks and, and all of those things. And so, uh, Mary Oceaneer is very prominent because again, these are our newer, uh, uh, clubs and labs, uh, are, is more prominent there, but not on, on the, uh, um, dream and fantasy but i will tell you that if you go on the dream and fantasy and you go for the open house and and you decide not to play with the holodeck or or with the uh, millennium falcon there <laughs> if you go into the oceaneer's lab there's actually an enchanted art piece where they have uh mr gibbs the uh, first mate uh, uh jack sparrow's first mate and if you stand in front of that um piece of enchanted art he says 30 different things, you know, and, and, and they're all, all related, uh, 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 to the, the cruise, you know, it's the free ice cream I'm after, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a pirate's life for me and for you and for you and for you. Uh, so I'm, I'm standing there like an idiot and people are going, why is he standing? Sir, please move. Please get out of the ocean years club. Would you? <laughs> yes, yes. You know, uh, so Mary is very prominent on the uh, uh, ocean years lab um, uh, for, for the magic and for the wonder. In fact, her ship uh, was called the RV ocean years uh, uh, lab, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, if you, come out to Walt Disney World, if you go to Typhoon Lagoon, there's the uh, uh, the new attraction, uh, Misadventure Falls, which, which is a lot of fun and, and all of that. And the, basically, the storyline there is that her ship got caught in an unexpected storm and was swept to Typhoon Lagoon, and uh, it, it split open, and so the deep sea artifacts are scattered throughout the location, you know, which you'll, you'll see when, when you're on the uh, on the uh, attraction, and she has a different uh, parrot. Instead of Salty, she has Duncan, 
the uh, the parrot. So maybe she had a lot of parrots because <laughs> if you go to the Skipper's Canteen, there's a book written by Mary Oceaneer that's called um, uh, Parrots as Pets. <laughs> you know, and 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 people people just ignore that. You know, and I I don't know if you run into this, uh, Lou, but I do. You know, people come up and they go. Well, Jim, you know, I, w- I want to be a, a, a Disney, uh, you know, historian and write about, but, but you know, I don't have the contacts with uh, I- Imagineers and, you know, I, I, I haven't, you know, uh, I wasn't born like you were, you know, when dinosaurs walked the earth, so I don't know these things. <laughs> There's still things you can do. I, I, it doesn't exist anywhere on, 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 on the web there. All of the books that are on the shelves in the skipper's canteen that actually lead to the secret C dining room, which we can talk about. But anyway, getting back to misadventure falls, there's also a diving bell there. It's Mary's diving bell, because as you said, she, she was a deep sea diver and it had, has on it the C motto exploration continua and underneath it, and, and this is that wonderful thing that when Imagineers do it right, they really do it right. Underneath it, there is a, a phrase in Atlantean. You know, the, 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 they created a special Atlantean uh, alphabet and all of that for the feature film Atlantis, The Lost Empire. So in Atlantean, there's a phrase underneath it. And if you're clever enough, you translate it and it says, I come in peace. Now, you need to realize if if you don't know these things, it doesn't distract from your enjoyment <laughs> of the attraction. You know, it's not like, well, I have to know that in order to understand what everything else is going on over here. No, it's not. All of these things are just these little um, enhancements. So it's just like when you go to Typhoon Lagoon, they have the uh, uh, the nautical flags overhead. Well, it spells out piranha in pool. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know, so if you know it, 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 it's just, you know, that one little extra thing. And, and so when we're talking about scene, when we're talking about these characters and all this, don't, don't think about this necessarily as um, the main entree. Think of it as, as like little condiments, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love that, that you made that, it about that, food. Thank you. <laughs> uh, little condiments there that that, that are, are sprinkled there. And so, you know, well, if you don't have the mustard, you know, the sandwich is still good. But if you have the mustard, my gosh, the sandwich t- tastes just a little bit better. Well, I love and the fact so- that we start off with, with Mary Oceaneer because I think it's she's such a representative example of what we are talking about, right? You've probably never heard the name Mary Oceaneer before, but what no. what has happened in the few minutes that we've talked about her? We've connected the origins in Japan. We've gone to Castaway Key. We've gone to the Disney Cruise Line. We've come back to Walt Disney World, to Skipper Canteen, to, we didn't even talk about, she's also referenced in Disneyland. Then you're also brought to Typhoon Lagoon, and you get a little Atlantis the Lost Empire in there as well. Like, I have this huge smile on my face because it all comes together so beautifully. And I almost felt the light bulb go off when you connect all those pieces. And then you've got this puzzle put together. And you're like, oh, like, I get it. I see it now. Well, well and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bet we haven't even 
captured some of the things that are out there or some of the things that are going to to, to be out there. You know, uh, the Disney theme parks are just continually changing. So so things are are disappearing, but but things are being added all all of the time out there. And and you go, wow, you know, I never knew that. I never saw that before. And oh, now that makes sense. Why that why that's there? Well, well let, let's talk about uh, a, a, another member of of Sea. Uh, do you do, do you have a favorite you want to? I, I do. Uh, I, I think I think it almost it, it makes sense to talk about Harrison Hightower the third. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, um, because he is who, 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 of course, is a scoundrel. You know, <laughs> right. it, 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 so, so it's not it, Mary Oceaneer is, as far as I'm concerned, it, it is a hero and a great role model, not only for for young women but 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 for young men. Harrison Hightower. <laughs> this shows you how rich characters can be. This guy's a scoundrel. So, so go ahead. Let's talk about it. Yeah, and I think he's he's probably maybe you could call him maybe the most famous or even notorious member of the society. And I think really the one, probably the first one to have the story really sort of fully flushed out, um, mm-hmm. starting over in once again Tokyo Disney Sea at the Hotel Hightower. Because remember, in Japan, um, their version of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror cannot be based on the Twilight Zone because guests just are not as familiar with the series. Well, well, it it, it would be as if uh, uh, one of the Disney theme parks here in in the States decided to open an attraction based on a cult Japanese uh, television series that ran in the 1950s and 1960s. Which, if you've ever seen Japanese TV, would be awesome because Japanese TV <laughs> is wild and it's wacky and it's crazy, and I would totally be down with you know a Japanese game show park here in uh, in the U. I don't think the <laughs> listen Japanese game shows are frightening to me. They right? are, and Very there's no way the lawyers in the states would ever let uh, half uh, the stuff. <laughs> but, but but you're but you're right. You know when you're dealing. Uh, we tend to f- to forget that when you're dealing with other cultures, they may not have those same cultural references that people grew up with in in the United States, and and so yes, so so calling something the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror would would be nothing. It would make no sense whatsoever. Uh, you know, um, uh, so you have to. How do you recreate that same experience, but then create another uh, backstory for it? And that backstory, of course, is is Harrison Hightower. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, Go no, ahead. that's a, no. And, and and look, I want to say again, as a as somebody who has clearly has a, a a monstrous affinity for Tokyo Disney Sea, this attraction and the detail and the storytelling is possibly some of. Disney's best. I do not speak Japanese. I have a tough enough time with English. I don't speak Japanese, but you are able to pull together simply from the visuals a little bit of the story. And you can get there are things that you can find there um, in Japan to help you tell the story. So just to sort of set the stage, uh, Hightower was an American. He was born in New York in around 1835. And he very early on had this reputation of being um, uh, greedy and and uh, you know, well, very... he, you know, he, he he literally stole priceless ancient uh, treasures. You know, he was we, not we a good guy. About... He was not and, a good. And, and again, that 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 was really part of the um, 
uh, thing at, at the time in the 1800s. You know, you had uh, grave robbers of, of Egyptian tombs and things like that. You know, it, it, it wasn't a case of, oh, well, this is a historical, you know, uh, antiquity that needs to be preserved and all that. It's like, hey, this is something that's been buried or hidden away and people don't, these native people don't know what its value is. I'm going to take it, you know. Well, he, I mean, I was going to say he's sort of the anti-Indiana Jones, right? He's sort of... <laughs> he, he's, That's a great description. Well, because he really is. And he's um, he he goes against everything that somebody like Indiana Jones would, would stand for, right? He's mm-hmm. he's Belloc, right? He's, he's, oh. he's, he's Belloc um, because he <laughs> is the person who will go out, like you said, and pillage and plunder and rifle and loot, all those things. More importantly... Without any regard for things like legend and story and doesn't believe in in um, spirits and curses and and so the idea of plundering so he's actually got a cursed idol that that sets off the attraction because right? he doesn't believe it. So to him, it it's it, it means nothing at all. Look how it worked out for Belloc. But um <laughs> Part of the reason why you may know the name Hightower, even if you've never visited there before, is you may have seen a photo of him in some of these other locations outside of Japan. He bears a remarkable resemblance to (laughs) probably the most famous Imagineer of all. Mm Mm-hmm. Which would be Joe Rody. Joe um, Rody. So yeah, I I I I, I can see uh, uh, Rody just having a, a, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, fun uh, about that, and and in fact, uh, uh, we know that Rody himself likes to collect, you know, uh, uh, things like even at the Pasadena Swap Meet, he he gathered up stuff that he then. Uh, help decorate um, the Adventurers Club with, mm-hmm. you know? So so just like Harrison Hightower, he's out there. He's not a scoundrel, but but it, but he's out there, you know, gathering these, uh, you know, exotic uh, masks and, and uh, tiki things and, and, and all of that, and, and, and then uh, displaying them. But, 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 of course, you'd also know Hightower because um, – uh, you of all people, uh, uh, Lou, and and the listeners as well, they they must know uh, Hightower's uh, uh, brother and 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 the tragic end that he came to. <laughs> well, wait, don't wait before before I want to just quickly I want to go back to the the the, the Tower of Terror story real quick because I I, okay. I think it's yeah. I sure, think it's just sure. fun to well, sort of. Not, it's not high, it's the Hotel Hightower. Yes, story. Yes. Um, so let, let's. I, I didn't mean to sort of go off um, uh, off of the, the tower. I get very excited about we, this. We, we can we we can always come back to the main story. Okay, so so tell us about this attraction. What what would we what would we experience? So again, it, it from the 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 ride itself, it very much is Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror in terms of or, or Guardians in terms of of attraction flow, but in terms of story. The, there's a tour of the Hightower Hotel, which is presented by the New York Preservation Society, and there's all these archival recordings of press conferences that tell the story of how 
Harrison Hightower ended up coming into possessing this uh, Shariki Utundu statue that led to the haunting of this hotels. And it's a very long, I won't go into the whole thing, but there's a very long sort of um, intricate backstory while he was uh, in the jungles of the Congo River. They ran into this Matundu tribe who were friendly towards them and were sharing foods and things like that. And then that's when Hightower learned of this protective deity, uh, which is personified in the form of this idol resting on an altar inside the village. Now, all of a sudden, you're thinking Indiana Jones and a little, you know, thing. So he tries to convince them to sell the statue. He says no. They say no. So, of course, what does he do? He steals it. They don't even bother to chase after him because they know of the curse. And then while Hightower is throwing a uh, press conference and a party on New Year's Eve, 1899, to talk about his latest find, um, somebody actually asked him, isn't, isn't this idol cursed or aren't you worried about things like that? And he, of course, of course laughs it off. When it hits um, midnight, he tries to find a spot for the idol in his penthouse apartment he's stopped by a um uh, his personal valet who is warning him like look you have to show respect to this thing and of course hightower laughs it off and at midnight january 1st 1900 inside the elevator the idol comes to life and it has this evil smoky green glow and it obviously finally scares um hightower the idol laughs it summons this green lightning all of a sudden now you're seeing the connections to twilight zone tower terror and the elevator plunges down into the shaft causing the um the tower to be haunted 13 years later um there is a um um uh, they reopen they reopen it right for for uh, tours right they reopen the hotel and uh, are are trying to uh preserve it because of the uh, you know the historical aspect of it yeah, yeah. and you're really so what and, happens now and yeah so there are some english translations that again help you um you you put this together um and uh, so i'm trying to remember i think that um inside so inside the queue of the lobby you can see where the elevator crashed down and you can actually see there's a, a like a, a, a uh, and actually no, it's it's in the attraction. There's actually a, you can see the ghost of Hightower trying to reach out and touch the idol, which is um, resting in the hallway, um, and then it, obviously it zaps him once more, and the elevator crashes mm-hmm. down. Um, and there's there's great photos of Hightower slash Rhodey throughout the queue and throughout the attraction in Egypt. The Lost River Delta. There's a reference elsewhere in Tokyo Disney Sea um, on Easter Island, um, uh, in the ballroom and things like that. So again, without even speaking Japanese, you're able to sort of pull a lot of this um, all together um, in the attraction. Which again, amazing, intricate, detailed storytelling without having to understand a word of the language. Well, well, and again, that, that's how we talk about Disney being a storytelling uh, company. That that's why people prefer going to a, a Disney theme park. Is it's not just a, a ride, and, and it's not just an off the shelf ride. Whatever, there's a whole story, and you're part of that story. You know, and and so that's what makes it so wonderful. You know, uh, 
and, and and again, this this is a warning to those of you who are uh, uh, listening. You know, with that cursed idol there, be careful. Those of you who have your uh, Lumangelo vinylmation uh, figures, <laughs> don't take those on an elevator with you. That that's that's just my. Uh, uh, suggestion. And, and we, we talk about things being connected, you know, uh, throughout, I, I, I mentioned, um, Hightower's brother, which, which we, we all know about in his tragic end, because anybody who's gone on the haunted mansion knows that the final husband of Constance Hathaway, uh, the one she married in 1877 is George Hightower. This so, is the, this is know. where you pause for dramatic effect because now <laughs> you think well it's true because now all of a sudden you go oh wait a minute like I never realized or I ne- or I never saw so next time I go to haunted mansion I have to look at all the portraits and the 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 names mm-hmm. next to the portraits inside the attic of the haunted mansion to find George Hightower and and make the connection as to where this originates. Well, well, especially things that have, uh, you know, uh, relationships to the 1800s, you know, there, there, there's uh, uh, going to be that, you know, like, like uh, uh, Big Thunder, you know, um, it, it, you know, is it, it, the 1800s. So you're you're going to uh, want to, to know that, you know, and do you know um, who do you know? Who? And, 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 and yeah, and and. You know, we talked about Rhodey uh, again, you know, um, and and he being the doppelganger for Harrison Hightower. You go into the Skipper's Canteen. One of the books written by Harrison Hightower III is In Search of the Yeti. (laughs) (laughs) Because, of course, Rhodey was the artistic director for Animal Kingdom and for Expedition Everest, you know, with the, the Yeti. One and one of the other books that Hightower supposedly wrote that's on the shelf, Treasures of the Animal Kingdom. <laughs> but wait, and, go, yeah. go back. Hold on, go back to George Hightower for a second because we're we're going to get as if we haven't got we're going to get one more layer of uber nerdiness. So the portrait of George Hightower in the haunted mansion in the wedding photo. Who is the model? Who is the person in the portrait? It's, Don't hold us in suspense. Tell us, Luke. It's Tell us. Former Imagineer Rick Rothschild, mm. who, who, did, who worked with Rhodey on the Adventure. Yeah, exactly, and things like Tough to Be a Bug, Honey Shrunk the Audience, Fill Our Magic. Uh, he he mm-hmm. wrote and I think directed uh, Soren over California, a number of other attractions as well. So, mm-hmm. like, I love the fact that you know, and and George has his own little story too. But I love the fact that. They could have chosen anyone sort of, quote unquote, off the street to to be that person. But I love the fact that there is another person with a connection, not just Imagineering, but or, direct connection. Or could have or, or could have chosen any name for the character yeah. other than Hightower. Yeah. So um, and you can also, again, talk about it all being connected. And we're going to get to the other parks, too. You'll find another reference to Hightower in the queue of Arguably one of the top three attractions anywhere in the world, Mystic Manor in Hong ah. Kong, where he's sitting yeah. in a portrait with Henry Mystic, which is a good way to transition to him, and all the rest of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers 
dated 1899, just weeks or months before his disappearance. And what is he holding in the portrait? Shakiri Ndutu. He's ah. holding the little idol. So, like, those little details, I, I listen, I didn't date very much. This stuff excites me so much. I love... <laughs> Like how wait, wait, well, fully it, connected it, they all it's, are. It's because we're Disney nerds. We're Disney nerds, and you know, uh, when Disney does something right, they really do it right. I'm going to give you, you one know, more. And, and again, wait. as I said, knowing these things doesn't affect you know your enjoyment of the ride. You were able to enjoy the ride without speaking you know Japanese. Right. You know, but the more you know the more it enhances that experience, the more it, it, it gives it, you know, just that little uh, something extra. And, and I, I think uh, uh, Disney uh, uh, um, fans are always looking for that little something extra. Like, like I just discovered that if you go on Smuggler's Run, if you get everybody working together, you can have that uh, experience in Chewy mode. So instead of having Hondo yelling at you, you have Chewbacca uh, doing what? the background. But that's a whole other story <laughs> and a whole other podcast. But anyway, it, it, it's finding those little extra things, you know, that they, that you go, oh my gosh, you know, I and it it makes you feel part of the Disney uh, family. But but yes, Lord Henry Mystic. Wait, wait, wait! Don't get wait. There's man. one more. There's wait. I have to give you one more just because it's so good. okay. It's so cool. And like the life of Mr. Hightower, it is extinct. Um, back at the old magic, magic of Disney animation at Disney's Hollywood Studios, there was a Minnie Mouse meet and greet. And there was a poster on the wall that listed Harrison Hightower IV as the writer of Bride of Franken-Ollie, which is a parody <laughs> on Bride of franken And it's also a reference to Frank and Ollie. Oh. No, I, I I thought I thought you were going to say yeah, Harrison Hightower did not die, but he became a costume character. <laughs> no, no, I I forgot about that poster in, entirely. I I miss the magic of of Disney animation. You know, I, I again, I like Star Wars, but you know, it, to me the heart and soul of the Disney company has always been animation. But uh, but I know that people aren't as interested and invested in it, you know, as, as I was when, when I w was growing up. No, I, that, that's great, Lou. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you're always coming up with these things that I don't know or I don't remember, you know, because I have brain cells dying every day that are not being Well, replaced. that's why we do this together, right? It's um, because we can... Well, well, we seem to spark each other, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can you top this? How about this? You know, oh, how about that? But, but but not in a um, nasty, evil way, but but, but 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 something like, you know, oh, you know this? Well, how about do you know that? <laughs> well, so let's move on. I think you said in the interest of moving on and because there's so much more still to cover, um, the next um, character, the next sort of founder of uh, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers is the owner of what I said was arguably one of the best pieces of work Disney has ever created, which is Mystic Manor at Hong Kong mm -hmm. Disneyland. It literally is worth going to Hong Kong Disneyland just because there's no other attraction like it. 
but I, I, I've only, I've only seen YouTube YouTube videos. Don't, don't watch the away. videos. Don't watch the videos. You have to just find a way to to get out there yourself somehow and see it with your own eyes because it is it is a remarkable attraction. Again, not speaking the language, but the surprise and delight that guests feel on that attraction. The queue, there, there's a pre-show in English. The rest of the attraction is not. You don't have to understand a word because the story is told in the visuals. It really is a 4D type of experience. Um, but so, go ahead. Why don't you give the the background story of um, the the very interesting Lord Henry Lord, Lord Henry uh, Mystic, and and again, don't don't hesitate to to just uh, uh, jump in there uh, too. And and again, unlike uh, uh, Hightower, he's he's not a, a scoundrel. He didn't steal treasures, uh, you know, uh, or con natives or or, or whatever. He, he's actually a, a good guy. In fact, he was such a good guy. He made friends with a mischievous monkey named Albert that uh, he saved from a giant spider. Uh, in uh, uh, Africa, and um, uh, but again, uh, you know, in his uh, travels, he he's acquired some some odd uh, odd artifacts and all that, including an ancient music box that uh, will bring life to the lifeless. And uh, uh, Albert, of course, being uh, very curious. When you're on that attraction, he he's playing around with that music box. Well, and that's what I'm playing suddenly, in the back. I'm, the song that you hear in the background is from the music box from Mystic Matter, which is one of the best the- attraction theme songs written by Danny Elfman. Which means if you have any ancient artifacts <laughs> in your house while you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> be very careful because they may uh, come to life and chaos will reign. Sorry, as you started saying, I thought about the, the music box. I thought about the song again. I'm like, oh, I have to just play it in the background and take my music box off the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and again, you know, you take a look at the Skipper's Canteen and Mystic has, has uh, uh, written a book called A Manner of Fact. And he's written uh, books, uh, Treasures from the Manor and uh, uh, Primates as, uh, as Shipmates. So, so, so again, you know, you're you're having these um, uh, connections uh, all over the place, and and you mentioned the black and white uh, photographs on the walls showing, uh, you know, the opening of Mystic Manor in uh, 1896 and the group portrait uh, uh, from 1899. But there's also a Mystic uh, uh, Freight Depot stage and an archive shop and the Explorers. Uh, uh, club restaurant, which is, which is all connected to that, but but obviously you've ridden the attraction, so so give us a little bit more insider perspective on this. So again, I don't want to give away too much, and not and I understand not everybody can get to Hong Kong Disneyland, but the but, but you still come out alive, right? You do come out alive. <laughs> you're, but you're, you're not missing anybody who is sitting next to you, right? It is this fantastic journey through so the the idea is that um the, like you said there's this enchanted um music box and when the when albert opens up the music box the collection is just sort of thrown into chaos um because of the box being open and then obviously the box eventually gets closed but you are sort of brought through his entire collection which comes to life in a 
4D trackless experience, which is just some of and, the... And, and what are some of those things in the collection? Is there a mummy? There's everything from mummies to um, uh, suits of armor. And it almost you can almost are traveling the world room by room. Um, and there's one sort of a, a whirlwind type room that, again, I don't want to um, mm-hmm. share too much or give away from, which is one of the most fascinating and remarkable and technologically exciting um, show scenes that I have ever seen. And yes, I've ridden, you know, everything except uh, attractions in in Paris. I I mean, I I put it up against Rise of the Resistance, Flight of Passage, anything else in terms of um, fantasy and fun and, and overall enjoyment. You know, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, they do film, you know, Broadway plays because sometimes that might be the only way I, I, I could see spam a lot or the book of Mormon or whatever, but, uh, it, it's not the same experience as actually sitting there in the theater and, and seeing that the, the, there's an energy, there's a, uh, it, it's hard to explain, you know, uh, that 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 is just different. So uh, so I understand completely wh- when you say don't don't look at the YouTube video. You know, you you have to uh, you know eat peanut butter lunches for <laughs> for the next uh, three months and then go over to Tokyo there and. I, and I mean, uh, so so again, I won't give away. But again, to give you a sense, when I say that, sort of go through his collection. So it, again, it sort of follows almost a logical journey through this this house or this collection so you go to a cataloging room there's a music room there's mediterranean antiques there's this slavic nordic chamber the arms and armory egyptian antiquities is a fantastic room tribal arts the chinese salon and then you finally go back to the cataloging room on your your magical horseless um carriage which is just I'm throwing my hands up in like this while as if you could see like the expression on my face. It, it is just a remarkable, remarkable attraction. Now, is it suitable for younger guests? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. It's um, there's nothing scary to it. Again, understanding their sensitivities to motion and wind and light and things like that, but there's nothing sort of jump out uh, and nothing like an elevator crashing. No, down. no, 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 not at all. Right. Yeah. Not at all. And okay. The music. Well, it, I, I can see by the clock on the wall that we need to uh, move <laughs> a, a, along here. Uh, uh, so uh, let, let's talk. Uh, since we're both out here in Florida, let's let's talk about a uh, a local guy, uh, Doctor Albert Fall. You know, you I, know, I, I love this. I just and I'll let you tell the story, but I love this because Doctor Albert Falls is like wait a minute, somebody's listening going, I know that name, right? I've ridden on the Jungle Cruise. I've heard it before, but the Jungle Cruise is an old attraction. How does that, how Albert Falls fit into this relatively new story of the SA? Again, this sort of retconning, this, this mm-hmm. quote-unquote fictional character that existed into this incredible, elaborate, int- integrated, and connected storyline. Now, now, now do, you want, do you want to use the Jungle Cruise gag? Because some people may not know that reference that that as you're approaching you know schweitzer falls what what does the jungle cruise skipper say that it was created by of course the legendary dr albert falls yeah <laughs> yes. 
and uh, uh, not only is he uh, supposedly one of the uh, uh, members, of course, of, of C, but when he passed away, his granddaughter, Alberta <laughs> Falls, inherited uh, the cargo business, which was the Jungle Cruise. That's what that was. And she is the one who transformed it into the popular tour and uh, also uh, opened up the uh, restaurant, the, the Skipper's uh, Canteen. And uh, as we mentioned, uh, you know, mo- most uh, guests, I think, going into the Skipper's Canteen uh, eat in the Skipper's Mess Hall which is, you know, a, a, probably the largest of the dining rooms there. But uh, if you, behind a corridor of bookshelves is the, CD, uh, the secret meeting room of C, and it, it, it's packed with uh, unusual memorabilia uh, of the uh, uh, members. And, and the way you get into the um, meeting room is uh, on the bookcase, you pull the volume that is uh, the Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling, and that that opens it uh, up there so that so that you can go in and and do that. And uh, again, a delightful place uh, uh, to eat because it's done up in that same um, uh, uh, spirit of uh, because supposedly the servers are jungle skippers who are. Uh, uh, off or on break, and and so there, and, and so you're getting the same uh, uh, bad puns and uh, uh, jokes for all that, and and there's all sorts of wonderful uh, detail uh, to see, and and again, if if you don't you know go up and examine all of it you know uh, closely, it's not going to uh, ruin your meal, but but the more you see that, the more you go, hey, you know. I'm really in this story, you know, which is, uh, you know, a a terrific uh, experience. And again, we we talk about uh, uh, connections and tying things in. Um, You know, this uh, this ties it in with uh, uh, the Jungle Cruise, which, uh, you know, uh, has been around since 1955. Of course, it's gone through, you know, different uh, variations and again then this also ties it in with trader sam's you know because trader sam was is that uh, uh cannibal at the end of the the ride there well i don't know if disney officially considers him a cannibal <laughs> anymore you know but 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 he, he he's willing to trade you know two of his heads for one of you because his business is shrinking so uh that type of humor you know uh, is uh, is captured there, so so that that's always exciting. Well, and I love now. So now, what you do is you go to a place like the Jungle Cruise, and you're able to see that there are puzzle pieces there to a puzzle you didn't know existed. Right? You can start mm-hmm. to put those things together because now, when you go through the sunken Cambodian temple, known to some as Shirley Temple, you realize that was discovered. <laughs> by Dr. Albert Falls. You also see throughout the queue and the attraction references to the Jungle Navigation Company. That is now tied to his backstory, this shipping company Mm -hmm. that he wanted to create to help move cargo up and down these um, these treacherous rivers. rivers, uh, 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 These exotic rivers of the world. And it was at this headquarters that he would entertain, which was also his house, that he would entertain his fellow members 
of the SEA in that back room, right? Again, you told the story about how Alberta, mm-hmm. you know, ended up coming to live with him when she was like eight. And, you know, they, they be, really became like her, the, the skippers really became sort of like her, her second family. And eventually she would start the first Jungle Cruise tours in the 30s. You mentioned a lot of the books and, and we could do an entire show just on some of the books that are in there, but you can find ones written by Albert Fall in the library. Like there's a small village with a large heart and Rockefeller hippo pet family. Like there's a lot of different, <laughs> there's a lot of different books in there. When the canteen first opened, um, there was a portrait of him in the queue that they, it, the way they made it look like was they had taken it down and they put up a, um, uh, a, a temporary, picture in there as well um see if you could i'm not going to tell you what the gag is but i invite you to um go back Discover and it for try yourself. and find it for yourself too um but he again i'm trying not to jump ahead but you'll see albert falls as one of the members that contributed to the creation of another location elsewhere <clears throat> on a different coast that we'll talk about when we get uh when we get out to Disneyland, um, and there's even going to be a Dr. Falls reference in the upcoming Jungle Cruise movie. Really? Really. See, I would and, not and, lie and, to and, and I'm looking forward, to, and I've been told that there will be a Trader Sam reference in, in the movie a, a, as well. But, you know, you, you never, and, and again, you know, talk about things at Disney changing. How many, how many of the listeners remember when the Jungle Cruise movie was first announced, it was going to be um, uh, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. And Tom <laughs> Hanks was going to be the uh, skipper, and Tim Allen was going to be the uh, uh, the father of a family, you know, who, who, were, who, who was taking this, because Tom Hanks wanted to uh, to do a, a role where instead of being, you know, nice and, and soft and fuzzy, you know, he, he could be a little uh, uh, snappy. <laughs> and where? And, and now it's and now it's Dwayne Johnson and Mary Poppins who are on the. <laughs> I listen. I love The Rock, so I'm down. And I love and what I've seen in the trailers. I really enjoy it. But trivia question for you, Jim Corcus: Where yes. and when was the only time that you've ever seen Doctor Albert Falls appear live? Ooh. I don't know the answer. I, 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 I was going to say, boy, w- w- was it uh, in the Al Yankovic uh, music? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was at. Uh, uh, no, I, I don't know. Where did he appear live? So I don't know. In 2016, he appeared at Destination D, the ah. D23 event in Walt Disney World. Cool. Very good. Well, I, I, I hope th- I, I hope that this means that we're going to see um, uh, more uh, of uh, the sea characters in uh, uh, live action. That that's you know uh, as 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 uh, face characters uh, uh, out there, and and maybe they could uh, even bring in, uh, especially if it's going to be a destination D event. Maybe they could bring in uh, Rhodey to be uh, 
you know, Hightower, and they could bring in uh, uh, Tony Baxter to be <laughs> Barnabas T. Bullion. You, you read know? my mind in terms of segueing to Barnabas T. Bullion, um, a character that— and, and, and again, the T in Barnabas T. Bullion officially, officially— not anecdotally, officially stands for Tony. For Tony, yeah. And I love the fact that this, you know, it almost feels that this character was created just um, just for him. And it's one that's really rooted here in Walt Disney World as the owner of the Big Thunder Mining Company. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you've seen his portrait in the queue of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah, and, and he looks really stern, doesn't he? He does. He like, looks- I imagine that's what Tony Baxter looks like when he gets mad. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I've never seen Tony Baxter. I haven't man, either. But I, that's I don't I ever want to see Tony Baxter, man. <laughs> Tony Baxter, uh, uh, of course, uh, one of the premier uh, Imagineers and, and such a, a, a good uh, friend to, to Disney fandom for, for, for years. Uh, but, but, of course, uh, is the uh, uh, Imagineer responsible uh, for the Big Thunder uh, Railroad, so it, it it it's nice that there's that uh, homage uh, to him as uh, uh, the owner, and that he um, he just loves gold, which is which is why he's drilling into that mountain, despite the the superstitions and despite you know uh, the odd occurrences like runaway mine trains and all of that that are coming to uh, to pass and other you know, natural disasters and, and, and all of that. He, you know, and, and that's why his name is bullion because he considers, you know, gold to be his birthright, you know, uh, uh, for that. And he, he's constantly, you know, uh, despite all of these things that are happening, he's constantly, you know, digging new shafts, you know, I- into the mountain that really doesn't want to give up I- its gold. And, and of course he's also tied to another C character, but another C character that's related to, to Tony Baxter, and that's Jason Chandler. Uh, and he's Jason Chandler is the one who's created this drilling device uh, to get into the mountain. But what a lot of people don't realize is that Chandler was a creation of Tony Baxter uh, for a Disneyland project that, that never um, uh, came to fruition, uh, Discovery Bay. Uh, so, so Chandler was, was going to be the one who, um, had, uh, uh, funded research into the strange and unusual technologies and was salvaging the remains of the, uh, Nautilus and Captain Nemo's scientific work, which would have been showcased in the, in this new land in Disneyland, which was called, um, uh, Discovery Bay, and they were, they were going to have that gigantic uh, uh, Hyperion airship from the island at the top of the world, and and all of that. And 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 you're right, out here at Walt Disney World, you go through the queue, and there's letters uh, between uh, Chandler and uh, uh, Bullion, you know, discussing the drilling machine and and warning, uh, you know, uh, Barnabas, you know, don't do this. This this doesn't seem you know, to, to, to be a good idea, you know, and, and, and again, you know, we're talking about these, these characters and one of the real differences between the adventurers club and C is the fact that, um, the adventurers club had this sort of Monty Python, uh, <laughs> silliness, you know, where, where, whereas, uh, uh C is, 
the these are pretty legitimate here. This, this you know, uh, this could maybe you know be something. You know, and the background's a little scarier and a little bit more, you know, um, almost grounded in in reality and, and adventure storytelling. And I think maybe Monty Python is a great is a great analogy to the differentiation between the backstories of the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and and and, and again, there's a whole another group that nobody has ever heard of, and the only time I ever heard of it. It was through the generosity and graciousness of Lou Mangello. <laughs> uh, because, again, you know, Adventures Club was so beloved that even after it closed, occasionally they would gather the performers uh, together for uh, special events or for uh, convention groups. But, but once you take them out of the club itself, you know, and, and some of those other... Uh, you know, supporting story elements, it didn't have that same impact. And so Walt Disney Creative Imagineering, uh, Creative Entertainment, Walt Disney Imagineering wait, wait, Creative wait, wait, Entertainment. Wait, wait, wait. Let's not tell that story yet. Wait, let's say oh, that okay. one until the go, end. Go, go ahead. Tell, let's, tell let's the story say, Because I think that's the one that unless you were there, unless you were there, I don't think anybody has ever heard before because no, it hasn't no. been ever done. I, I, and Or, or since. <laughs> Or since, really? right? So, so we're gonna we're gonna tease that a little bit because we've really we we've talked about um, the the quote unquote main characters, right? In terms of of mm-hmm. their foundations, um, Harrison Hightower, Lord Henry Mystic, and, and, and some of the attractions and things that right. they're connected with. Doctor Albert Falls, Mary Oshnier, Barnabas Bullion, Meriwether Adam Pleasure is another one. We talked about him mm-hmm. briefly when we talked about. Um, uh, the Adventures Club. He too, and and we've talked about this on a show in the past when we talked about the Adventures Club and um, um, sort of the the and, Florida and, pleasure and 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 the whole the the elaborate elaborate backstory that was created. Yeah, but there's other. So you, we you know, and, and I was thinking about this because you mentioned um, uh, Jason Chandler, and he's almost a secondary tertiary character who does have connections to the the digging of. Big Thunder Mountain mine. And there's other ones that you'll find referenced in a number of different locations because the SEA really does expand beyond sort of just the big attractions. Um, and sort of, I wanted to take you through very quickly some of the places that you'll find them. And I also want this to be a little bit of an exploratory game jigsaw puzzle adventure for you so we talked about the origins in japan at the fortress exploration you'll also find so inside fortress exploration in japan is a restaurant called magellan's which is the location of a num another meeting place for the society you talked about that bookcase in skipper canteen there mm-hmm. there's also a, a, a secret bookcase that hides a wine cellar um that um, uh, that current explorers are supposed to know about and could find it. And this place too, Jim, has that feel like an adventurer's club, like some of the other locations that this is where this SEA would gather, right? So this is almost sort of like the world headquarters for the SEA, but they do have other locations throughout really every other theme park 
in the world. So we talked about Tower of Terror in Disney Sea. Over in Tokyo Disney Sea, you'll also find Raging Spirits, which is a uh, a roller coaster based around this uh, ancient um, Peruvian altar. There, you'll find another photo of um, uh, High Tower, and if you look closely, he's again stealing something. He's stealing this this um, um, sacred serpent head. We talked about Big Thunder here in Walt Disney World. Here in Walt Disney World, there's not one, not two, not three. There are no less, if my count is correct, there's no less than seven different attractions and locations in Walt Disney World that individually reference and collectively reference the SEA. So we mentioned Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, right? And and this didn't happen until about 2013 as, as really the first official appearance in Walt mm-hmm. Disney World and as you walk through the queue right so there's, a, there's there's been this ongoing trend for you know coming up almost on a decade of of creating uh interactive and immersive queues with exploding dynamite and there's all kinds of things that you can do there you'll find that picture of Barnabas Bullion you'll find a lot of those letters um uh written by mm-hmm. uh, Jason Chandler as well um if you and if you look in the queue, you'll find um, early on in the queue is where you'll find the portrait over at um, the Polynesian. Although it's not necessarily official, I, I think a lot of people would connect Trader Sam's uh, as a place that because of the timing and what's in there in terms of newspapers and maps and things like that, mm-hmm. it probably would fit in. We talked about Skipper Canteen, which opened in 2004. 15 if you look around the there's not only photos uh, sorry photos and paintings of dr albert falls but look up at the 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 second level the balconies the doorways throughout the dining room um, again which was that um uh, meeting space jock Lindsay's hangar bar which also opened that year um, i forgot about that entirely right, yes jock Lindsay was indiana jones pilot and if you look around carefully, you will find that Jock Lindsay is also a member of the society. Um, it does mention him as a a member of the um, um, uh, of the society as well. Um, if you go to something that we it, uh, Typhoon Lagoon, we mentioned Misadventure Falls um, mm-hmm. and, and the connection to uh, Mary Oceaneer. Right. If you go to so we're the, up to five now. We're up to five. If you go to the United Kingdom Pavilion, what? In Epcot, yes. they have the Library of the Royal Adventurer Society over in the Kidcot location. And if you look carefully in the library, one of the books is the Society of Explorers and Adventurers Handbooks. Did not know that. You, There's a you, few. You, 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 you got me on that one, buddy. Jim Corcus, yeah. next time we go, we're going to go to the UK because there's other books and there's artwork in there as well. And if you go to the Abracadabar on Boardwalk, there's a few references there as well. Again, the idea was that this bar was sort of the, the local haunt, no pun intended, for mm-hmm. magicians. Um, in the late 30s, um, and then there was a Friday the 13th where sort of every magician disappeared, right? Very much like a, a Tower of the Terror. Uh, one of the props that was left behind by one of the magicians that disappeared has the SEA logo on it. 
Mm. So, and then we also obviously mentioned the uh, Haunted Mansion and the reefer right. back in 2006 that brought in Constance and her husband, uh, George Hightower, whose brother is Harrison Hightower. If my math is correct, that sounds like it might be seven ish or so locations in actually it sounds like more than seven <laughs> i don't it, do it, math it, 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 it sounds like almost enough to cover two full hands here so. <laughs> um so obviously hong kong mystic point uh which is the the land which is the location for mystic manor again i i cannot say enough good things it would a lot of references not just to lord henry mystic but uh, references to the SEA itself. There's a, a wonderful group portrait of the members dated, I think I mentioned, uh, 1899 as well. You mentioned the Explorers Club restaurant, which continues mm-hmm. uh, Mystic Story and a and lot of his um, antiquities that he's found over the years. There's also Disney's Explorers Lodge that opened in 2017. Which, I'm not if you, with that. Yeah. yeah, if you wanted to sort of stay in this type of environment, it was it was themed towards South America and Africa and Asia and all places that, you know, you might find um, SEA members might have visited. Um, there was also and I and I never saw it. Supposedly, there was a uh, in, in 2013 or 14, I believe there was an overlay for the Jungle Cruise called The Curse of the Emerald Trilogy. And there was a storyline about Professor Garrett Reed, who was a former SEA member that was kicked out by Lord Henry Mystic for some of the ways he was acquiring archaeological artifacts. Mm -hmm. Um, In Disneyland, the relatively recently opened Tropical Hideaway, which opened in 2018, really is another great location to find uh, details about the members and their expeditions. There is a um, uh, there's an area where you'll find oars that have the names of all of the primary and secondary members. And it was also the first, and it it might well it was the first location to me- to mention a new member um, that goes back to Japan, which is Camellia Falco, and she shows up. Also in uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, and they're incredible. Tokyo Disney Sea's queue of Soren is worth the the queue is an attraction in and of itself. That's how good there is a painting of Camellia that comes to life. Jim Corcus, my friends and I stood there, our mouths were agape because what looked like and and I don't mean in a way that the enchanted art does on the Disney cruise line or some other locations, Mm -hmm. this painted portrait comes to life without any glasses in a three dimensional type of way that I have never, ever seen before. I didn't even need, I would have been happy just spending my time. And I tried to, I tried to just see if I could hang back in the queue to watch it again. Um, But they have created an extensive storyline for Camellia Falco as well. If you go over to Bengal barbecue in uh, Disneyland. This has also been referred to as a um, uh, like an outpost um, that some of the SEA members would start off of. And there's a portrait of some of the of the members of the club and a picture of Professor Blumen Blower. Sorry, Blower Himmel um, in a mm. cockpit writing letters to some of the different SEA members. Um, 
and I believe there's also uh, a couple of these um, secondary characters, a photo of Charlie Allnut and Rose Sayer um, alongside of Lord Henry Mystic and Albert the Monkey. So wow. going super deep. This, is, this sounds like this would be a, a great book, but if, you should write it. If, oh, no. <laughs> I, uh, listen, I know how tough writing is. I, I you know, um, I have not been to Disneyland Paris yet. It is the last one. But research indicates that Colonel Hathy's Pizza Outpost has a piece of luggage on it with an SEA sticker. And there's hmm. also a Cafe Hyperion who is run by Captain Bro of the airship Hyperion, who is an, also a well-known SEA member. Uh, Jim, I think you referenced Hawaii and Aulani. Again, right. it's not in some sort of big, grandiose way, but if you go into Auntie's Beach House, which is their amazing kids' club, um, and I remember the first time I went when Aulani first opened, there's a painting that used to be in the Adventures Club, and there's a letter there from Pamelia Perkins um, referencing. <clears throat> Um, Hightower saying that um, he's a ladies man and nobody misses him and all that um, as well as some other photos. I think there's also a picture of Hightower and the idol um, that is referenced in Disney Sea. Um, you did also talk a lot about Mary Oceaneer on Disney mm -hmm. Cruise Line. There's um, There's portraits of Mary and Lord Henry Mystic. There's newspaper clippings from Harrison Hightower. There's also a captain's hat um, in there, which is supposedly a gift from Dr. J. L. Botarista, who is also a member of the SEA. Um, there's not much found out about him elsewhere other than the connection mm -hmm. potentially to the uh, to the captain's hat. So there's a lot of connective tissue, probably some that we don't even know about have seen yet and i think jim are also well and, and in to fact, be added. your listeners are, are, are going to surprise us and come in and say well how come you didn't mention such and such <laughs> and and i'm telling you the answer right now it's because we didn't know yeah <laughs> which and i love i love the fact that we don't know right because there's i think that they're being added all the time and this is this living breathing thing that is always being expanded upon it and i think and we'll sort of save this as we wrap things up, but I think this is just scratching the service surface of what the SEA is and what is going to be. But one yeah. thing that, that you referenced that I really wanted to save as sort of the, the cherry on this oh so very wonderful and delicious and fat-free cake, by the way, is something that happened once and we may never, ever see it again and it took place back in September of 2012 and I want to give a little bit of um, background uh, history yeah. as we lead up to it so we had uh, done two days before the Adventurers Club closed Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel uh, we got together and we talked about doing a, uh, a special event together and very very long story short we ended up renting out the Adventures Club for the second to the last night before it closed. The the last night that it, that it um, was open was for uh, executives and cast members and things like that. And we rented out the cast members. We, we rented out the club for a WW Radio 
night at the Adventures Club, which was fantastic for so many reasons, one of which was um, it was a way for us to really let them know just how much they were loved and appreciated for what they did. They gave 199% um, in their performances and their storytelling, and it was a very fun, wonderful, yet yet somewhat sad and emotional what we thought was going to be goodbye to the Adventures Club. And years later, Becky and I were meeting again and talking about potential um, special event opportunities. And and if you've ever been to one of our events in the past, uh, I really try and do things that are not ones that, you know, are sort of off the shelf. I like to do things that for lack of a better term, I, I will tell you the term I use because I don't know how to, I need something that's sexy, right? I need something that's unique. So we had loved the Adventures Club uh, event um, so much that I said, we need to do something like that. Again, obviously we can't go back to the Adventures Club. So we met with Disney and we talked about some of these different ideas. And I said, yeah, we loved this idea, we love the Adventures Club, and I, we wish we could do, we wish we could sort of take that magic and, and bring it somewhere else. And they sort of like, the the, the folks on the Disney side from the, um, the creative entertainment side sort of like looked at each other and they're like, really? And, you know, conversations took place. And while they could not recreate the Adventures Club per se, what we were able to do was create something that that's really captured the spirit of the adventures club with a, and some of the same performers and the same performers the club. for the preservation of the secret society of historical american adventurers if you put all those cap initials together it's the pasha the pasha club <laughs> <laughs> so on september 28th 2012 this was I believe it was one of, if not my first uh, WW Radio, what I like to call e-ticket events, something that was just so cool. It was deserving of the e-ticket moniker. And it was a three-hour dinner and entertainment experience that really sort of harkened back to the era of the Adventures Club, yet was a, when we say the word unique, it was a, a truly unique experience because it had never been done before. And to my knowledge, uh, it has never been done again. And Jim, I think this was, before we sort of talk about the details, it was such a wonderful opportunity to catch, I think you said, lightning in a bottle, because it was a wonderful nostalgic trip for those of us who were in attendance, as well as an opportunity for the the performers, the cast members, who are so incredibly talented and funny, to come together again and put on something that not only had they never done before, but really paid tribute to, you know, the, the Adventures Club, which many of them called home for, I mean, since it opened. Right. And and I was sitting at the table with uh, uh, Charlie Ridgway, um, and I, I actually had gotten a chance to interview him before we went in to, to see this. And, and I was blown away. He was blown away. Uh, the characters were Abigail Adams, Clementine Darling, Professor Beauregard Jackson, Edison Jersey Brown, Ace Spitfire, Bitsy, and Ragtime Rags. 
And the reason I know that is because I was sitting there with my little notebook writing this uh, <laughs> uh, out. And and just as the Adventurers Club had their their motto, the the motto for this group. And again, I was they had it up on a big uh, uh, easel uh, poster board, and I I was scribbling this stuff down. Their motto was, and we're sharing this for historical reference that people maybe come back to this podcast and find it. Their motto was, we reenact the stories just to say that we've been there. We charge the hill and wave the flag, living history from our chair. From the wide open prairies to the purple mountains hue, we salute the eagle feather as we stuff the gobbler true. We're obsessive, faithful, loyal, and with patriotic pride, we preserve our country's history, but we never go outside. <laughs> I mean, I, and 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 again, you know, I I, I think that describes the uh, uh, the fans, myself included, of this podcast: obsessive, faithful, and loyal. Uh, you know, and and Lou, thank you so much uh, for uh, preserving. Uh, all of this information and and for going through all of this information that I, I don't think people can find anywhere else. And and uh, uh, this time you even came up with a, a, a couple of curveballs that I didn't know, which uh, uh, it doesn't mean I know everything, but but uh, it's like how come I never stumbled across that? My gosh, I'm gonna. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to put... uh, you, you just you just made me smarter today. You just made me smarter today. Well, it's all in fun. I want, and I just want to quickly go through what the what our evening was like. Uh, and there was no way that we could have had that without you there because I knew that you would have appreciated. But if you've been to the Adventurers Club before, this was not just sort of a retail. This was a completely fully flushed out story again that Disney created. Again, you talked about this club creed, and and you know we we were welcomed into the rotunda by a lot of the charter members. There was actually a meeting. So we sort of watched this meeting of Pasha. Mm-hmm. We learned the salute. They actually created much like the, the Adventures Club, the salute. There was a Pasha salute, and we all sort of were deemed honorary members of Pasha. They were called to order. They talked about um, old business and new business. And what they did, which I loved, was they integrated a lot of us in the audience into the storytelling so you know me and and becky and Mm -hmm. some others we learned a lot about the characters and then as a surprise which i didn't know about there was a debate between professor beauregard jackson and abigail adams as to who was going to be the next president of the american adventures club i did not know that a write-in candidate for the presidency was going to be me I was dragged, <laughs> dare I yes, say, yes. forcibly, um, where I, I really want to thank the people that I call my friends, and I'm using friends in air quotes, like Becky and Tony and, and Scott. And some of those. They obviously had fed them some information about me, and there was some uh, wonderful ribbing about me, my height, et cetera, things like that. <laughs> but there was this great you know, Q&A type of things. And then and I very humbly accepted uh, my role as the new club president, just eking out uh, Abigail Adams' right. Uh, but there was songs and there was music and laughter and, and some of the, the, the truly magical entertainment that Disney 
um, is is known for. And again, again, I was so thrilled that you were there and Charlie were there. Um, a lot yeah. of friends. Um, one thing that's interesting about the SEA is that there's not a lot of merchandise available. Very, very little. There's a few no, glasses I, 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 in Japan. I, I, were, were, were there were there any pins or buttons? No, there's or? no pins, no buttons. Uh, if you go to Magellan's and order a certain drink, they do have a glass, one of which I have kept on my shelf. Uh, every so often, you might find a shirt. You, you might um, want to take a picture of that. And post I might it actually post it in the show notes. Uh, but they don't sell T-shirts and things like that in Japan. More importantly, I, I'm so curious as to what the future is going to bring. What is going mm-hmm. to be the next attraction, the next show, the next restaurant, the next vignette somewhere that's going to reference the SEA. If we missed one that you know of, please let me know. Go to www.radio.com slash community. That will take you to our Facebook group. You can post it there. More importantly, let's talk about the SEA in there as well. Also, I'm going to link in the community as well as on www.radio.com to Amazon where you can find not one, not two, not three, but all of Jim's, what is it, more than 20 books that you've written? Actually, it's close to 30 books now. And and with the new book coming out before Easter, uh, Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Line, uh, I'll be up to 30. So, yeah, uh, so uh, something for everybody there. Books about Disney animation, books about the uh, theme parks, uh, books about uh, uh, Walt uh, Disney himself. So, you know, something for everybody there, and uh, again at af- affordable prices. Because I'm seeing Disney books now uh, that are coming out that are like you know seventy five bucks, a hundred and fifty bucks, all of it, and they're all great books. My books are all under twenty bucks. <laughs> awesome, and they're, so, they're great. So you reads. don't have to eat pe- you don't have to eat peanut butter uh, uh, lunches. You know, to, to buy one of my books, you just have to do that uh, to book travel over there to uh, uh, Tokyo Disney Sea. And they're available on paperback and Kindle, and I will link to all of them. I would love to hear from you. What is your favorite reference to the SEA, your favorite character, or maybe even something that we missed? Again, go to the community where you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. And like I said at the very beginning, Joe, uh, Jim, you are, uh, to me, an honorary member of the society because you you really sort of well, embody and, and, all the things you that you are as well. All, all of this exploration, all of this research you do, and you have done uh, for years. And, and as we talked right before we uh, uh, started uh, recording, I am so appreciative of all of the people that you've you've interviewed, all of the information that that you've shared that isn't anywhere else, and the fact that that you're accurate and and you verify this stuff, my gosh, I'm I, I'm just very impressed, and I'm I'm so honored and thankful uh, to be your friend, and and it's always fun uh, to get together and and bounce back and forth. Uh, uh with uh, with each other and uh, everybody make sure you listen to Lou's podcast every single week and go back and listen to some of those great ones from the past there because he's done an awful lot of wonderful ones there well thank you it means a lot coming for you and you've been such a great friend and and incredible guest over the years and if you like 
And how can you not? Like Jim Corcus, go back into the archives, um, either on the site or in iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Jim Corcus on the show and you'll find um, he has been a treasure trove of incredible information that you can't find elsewhere. Brother, I love and appreciate you, man. I cannot wait until we do this again. And for all your listeners, may all your Disney dreams come true. Kungaloosh. While this would normally be time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, I'm once again going to remind you how you can enter for a chance to win $100 in Disney gift cards. So I say all the time that this show really is not just for you, but by you and with you and about you, and more importantly, the community and conversation that you have helped create. And really, I really feel that we're more like family than even just friends. And that really is because of you. I say all the time, I helped build the clubhouse, but you are the ones that populated it. More importantly, invite your friends to be part of this incredible community. And so that's what the contest last week was based on. And we're going to continue on until March 1st, because I am going to be traveling at uh, uh, to speak at a conference this week. So again, all I need you to do to enter the contest for a chance to win $100 in Disney gift cards is what I've been asking you to do since show number one, which is to help spread the word. Here's exactly how you enter. And in fact, this week, there's not one, but two different ways you can enter, and more than once. The first, again, is by helping to spread the word by rating and reviewing the show in iTunes. If you go to www.radio.com review, that'll take it to the iTunes store on desktop or mobile. There you can write a review about this week's show. Again, make sure you subscribe to the podcast there. And then stay tuned to the end of the show as I might just read your review on the air. And the second way to enter is over on Instagram. So last week we did our recap and review of our WW Radio cruise on the Disney Wonder out of New Orleans. All you need to do is follow me on Instagram. I'm at Lou Mangiello. Like the photo about that, this week's contest and comment where you would like to go on a Disney cruise line or maybe even a future WW Radio cruise and then tag a friend that you'd love to take with you. So follow, like, comment, and tag. You have to do all four, but you can enter more than once. You can leave one review and then leave multiple comments on Instagram and tag different friends. Again, just make sure that they're actually real people and not celebrities and fake accounts, etc. I'll then randomly select one of the entries combined from the podcast reviews and from Instagram. I'll randomly select one, and again, you're going to win $100 in Disney gift cards. Now, because I want to give you time to enter and because of my travel schedule, I'm giving it to you until Sunday, March 1st at 11.59 p.m. to enter both uh, in iTunes as well as on Instagram. And then, as I mentioned last week, also be sure to stay tuned to Instagram for another contest where you can win something special that you can't buy. It's only available on the cruise and it's only available on the Disney Wonder. It's very cool. I really like it. I'd love to add it to your collections. So good luck. Thank you, and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you once again so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I was really excited about this week's show, one that I've waited a long time to record until we could really flush out and tell 
the entire story of the SEA, at least as it exists right now, from all the different locations around the world. If you like the show, please help spread the word and come talk about this week's show, the SEA, or anything Disney-related you want to talk to by being part of our community at www.radio.com slash community. That is our Box People group over on Facebook. It's fun, it's free, and drama-free, and completely family-friendly. And so I want to personally invite and welcome you to be part of our community, of our family, and encourage you to invite a friend as well. Speaking of family and community, I want to thank some of the long and time and new members of the WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate your friendship and your love and all the support that you bring to me and the show. And I love being able to give back to you and thank you each and every month. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the Nation family, including Kevin Nelson, Denise Watson, Kent Wilson, Peggy Teal, Rachel Novak, Kimberly Hazard, Avi Erdfarb, Nikki Slater, and Caroline Beryl. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate you. And if you want to find out how you can be part of the nation and help the show and also get exclusive rewards every month, including monthly scavenger hunts from the Disney parks and maybe Disney Cruise Line. We have a private Facebook group there as well. Custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, backpacks, care packages from Walt Disney World, monthly exclusive live video group calls, and lots more. You can visit www.radio.com slash support. Again, this is completely optional. It's a great way to help support the show, but also please remember that a portion of the proceeds of your contribution goes to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show during one of our listener email shows, you can email me, Lou, at www.radio.com or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 with a hello, a question, a comment about this week's show, or just a hi from the parks. Again, it's 407-900-WDW1. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And as much as I love connecting with you there, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. I am a real-world, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, handshake and a hug person. I want to thank everyone who came out to our last meet of the month during Princess Half Marathon weekend. Princes, princesses, congratulations to all of you who ran, walked, walked, jogged, volunteered, and cheered, especially everybody who was part of the WW Radio running team. I am so incredibly grateful to and proud of you. Our next meet of the month is going to be at Disney's Hollywood Studios in March. Not Galaxy's Edge yet, but a venue that I'm somewhat familiar with because it's like many Italian weddings that I attended in New Jersey. We're going to go to Pizza Rizzo uh, upstairs on the second floor. They have this very cool banquet room off in the back. Or if it's a really nice day out, we'll go upstairs on this outside balcony. We can sit out as well. The next meet of the month is going to be Sunday, March 29th at 10 a.m., So you can get to the park early, grab your Rise of the Resistance boarding group, maybe a little bit of breakfast, then come by and have the rest of the day to enjoy over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Also, stay tuned to the events page at www.radio.com slash events, not just for upcoming meets of the month, but other special events that we are about to announce very, very soon, including Adventures by Disney to Italy this next year. We have one spot left for our family-friendly Adventures by Disney to Wyoming this summer and also look for other events and on-the-road meetups as I travel to speak. Um, I'm actually going to be in San Diego February 29th through March 4th for social. I'll be speaking at Social Media Marketing World. Uh, The following week, I'll be in Catania, Italy and Sicily speaking once again at TBEX, which is a conference for uh, travel content creators. 
And then stay tuned this week for more information about the events that I'm hosting here in Walt Disney World. This summer, we have our Momentum Weekend Retreat, which is a weekend in a vacation home near Walt Disney World where 10 entrepreneurs get together to really deep dive about their business, their ideas, and really helping to move the needle to turn what they love into what they do. It's focusing on you and the event. I take care of all the details, including the rooms, meals, and materials. And then once again this fall, I'll have my Momentum Weekend Retreat in Walt Disney World based on the pillars of inspiration, education, and community. It's unlike other conferences for entrepreneurs because it's really about a small group. It's limited to 50 people where you can not just learn, but execute on what you learn right in the room and then meet and work with others right away to help take your idea, your brand, your business to the next level, whether you are a blogger, podcaster, content creator, you have a product, an idea, a book, or even a brick and mortar store, we can help you at Momentum. Again, stay tuned and visit LouMangelo.com to find out more about past events, as well as how maybe I can come to speak to your event, conference, school, live in person, or even virtually about everything from customer service Lessons we can learn from the Disney parks and Walt Disney, social media, live video, podcasting, and lots more. Again, you can find everything over at lumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team at Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider, and it's not it, it's who I recommend to you because I know you trust me, and I trust them, and it's who I've been using personally for more than a decade. And whether you're going to world, land, or even a non-Disney destination, they can give you really all the available options, prices, discounts, and it all comes at no cost to you. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And finally, and most importantly, thank you so very much. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, whether we've met yet or not, you are my friend. And if you like the show, and I hope that you do, please help spread the word, not just because of the contest this week, but to let others know about it. So tweet out that you're listening to this or your favorite episode share it on facebook and again if you can just take a few seconds to rate and review the show over on itunes it's incredibly helpful i want to thank some recent reviewers like just tp who says making the miles more merry in my job i spent a lot of hours staring through a windshield asking myself are we there yet and for the longest time i depended on satellite radio to help pass the hours at the suggestion of my 24 year old son i started listening to podcasts and i'm so glad that i did and found ww radio and lou I always know that no matter how my day is gone, I can count on Lou's positive tone and outlook to help lift me up. It's not that he's always unicorns and rainbows about all things Disney, but even when there's negative aspects to the topic, he doesn't present them in a negative tone. And that hasn't always been my experience with other Disney podcasts. I Past Disney, I really appreciate Lou's very clear messages of being the best you, having your best week ever, and loving what you do. And to be honest... Those can all be struggles for me, but every time I hear him discuss personal excellence, I feel more feel more encouraged to keep on climbing. Thanks, Lou. Well, Just TP, thank you. Erin uh, Van Quill says, it's not your average Disney podcast. I hope that's a good thing. This is the first time I'm reading it. So Erin says, I've been listening to WRA Radio for a few years. It's crazy. I've never left a review before now. I can't recommend this podcast more highly for any Disney fan. It's absolutely amazing and a must if you love Disney. Lou is such a profound way of connecting with others and truly making you feel like you're part of this huge, wonderful Disney family that he has created. Actually, we have created together. 
His genuine love of what he does oozes out through the podcast, not to mention the Facebook group, Instagram, and videos. It's so much more than a podcast. It's a life-changing community. Wow, lose a very rare gem in this world. You're going to make me cry. And it'll absolutely inspire you to be the best person you can be, conquer your fear of following your dreams, and get the things accomplished that you didn't, that you always, that you always just saw as a pipe dream. And at the very least, the podcast is just a fantastic way to make you feel as though you're sitting with him and his guests inside the parks, talking about our favorite things about Walt Disney World and beyond. WDW Radio and Lou, especially our bright rays of sunshine this, in this sometimes gloomy world that's guaranteed to bring joy into your life every single day. Wow, thank you. Scuba Steve1622 says, It's a little taste of Disney, and if you can't be at the parks, or if you can... One of the best hours or two of your day will be this podcast. Lou embodies the spirit of Disney. I've listened to well over 100 episodes in the past year. Wow. And I always find myself wanting more. It's a must if you love Disney. And Debopper says it's an original. I love Lou. His depth of knowledge and his passion to bring a little bit of Disney magic home to you. He's an original. And Joseph Mercier says, I love it. I'm a huge fan and absolutely love the show. You're a friend, not a fan, Joe. I listen to it nearly every day while I'm working. My only suggestion... Would we have more top tens with Tim Foster? What? You have guys that you have an incredible radio chemistry together. I love Tim. I suggest that you do a top ten decisions or events that took place in the Disney Corporation, which made it what we know as today. Thanks for all you do. And why? Well, why not? One more. Anchor at Wells says a little bit of Disney in your life. Oh, Anchor is from the United Kingdom, so I should be reading this in my really bad UK accent, but I won't. Lou is such a well-informed and friendly host, and I love all the guests, but mostly Becky. So, uh, Anchor at Joseph D. Bopper, Scuba Steve, Aaron Van Quill, and Just TP. I sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to leave a review, again, just search for WW Radio in iTunes. Go to www.radio.com slash iTunes for a direct link and instructions on how to do it. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you so very much. Uh, I would only want to leave you with this, um, which is to do something nice uh, for somebody else. Give Give to others with no expectation of anything at all in return, right? Because with no expectations, anything you get back is going to be a wonderful bonus, right? But I promise you that you will always get so much more than you might think. You'll be surprised how good you'll feel by doing good for somebody else. And remember, choose the good, right? Choose the good. Always look for the good uh, no matter what it is that you're doing and, and help spread the word about that too. So I hope that this truly is your best week ever. Thank you. I love you and I appreciate you. So until next time. Hi, Lou. It's Elizabeth from Massachusetts. Um, I haven't called in in a while. Um, things have been so busy at work and everything, but I, I am back on the podcast um, game and I hope you're all enjoying your trip. Um, and your cruise, it looks amazing from what I've seen everyone post. So it's probably definitely better than the snow slash rainy weather we're having here right now on this Thursday morning in Massachusetts. Um, but I just listened to your episode 311 about dining um, deals or your best dining tips um, in Walt Disney World. And I know that that happened a few years ago, but I would say now in 2020, one thing that I've noticed recently in the parks um, is in Animal Kingdom, they have all these kiosks um, leading up to all the various lands with some really, really good 
quality, like table service quality um, meals. The portions are just what you need, and um, it's not going to kill your wallet. So my personal favorite is on your way up to Asia, there is this kiosk, and it kind of switches where they serve them, but there are these uh, falafels that are to die for. Um, and it's less than 10 bucks, and it's a legitimate quality. And, yeah, that is my tip right now. I've just noticed that Animal Kingdom has, start, has started doing that, where they have some really good um, options to choose from that aren't crazy expensive. So you could eat lunch and get really good food and not um, – Kill yourself over the price. Um, I also agree with you guys. The Tuscarawas breakfast is one of the absolute best in the park. Um, so, yeah, hope you're all enjoying your Thursdays and your awesome trip if you're on it. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey, Lou. Um, I just want to thank you for uh, all of the nice podcasts that you've made and uh, a lot of good times listening to them. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. Peace out. Oh, yes. Welcome, one and all. 